welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise God. It's good to see you all this morning. It's been a lovely sense of the presence of the Lord. I hope you would carry some of the ingredients already that the Lord has been putting on our hearts to pray for our sick, to be lifting them up before the Lord. Amen. To be men and women that engage with God daily to pray. So it's not just a once a week event in our hearts or our lives as Christian people that you would continue to invest in prayer. And to that end, I'm just going to encourage you as well to become part of our online prayer meeting and uh, just come and pray with the body of the church so that God would move and do miracles in our midst. Amen. Bless God this morning. If, uh, that's something I said. Was, was it, that's everything. Dismiss the kids. Preach the word. Yeah, I should just be preaching the word. I can't, really, I can't multitask anymore. It's just like, forget it, you know. Those days are gone. Praise God. Well, this morning, um, I want to... I think I titled it, Don't Be Afraid to Give. Don't let fear stop you from giving. Amen. Amen. And uh, we're driven by fear, aren't we, a lot of the time. Um, It's something that grips all of us. It's common to us. But the scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. And sometimes to have a sense of that love, you have to be still. You have to pull back from even the fight at the moment or, or the traumas of your day and, 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 and soak into your spirit the nearness of God that he hasn't departed from you, he hasn't left you, he's never going to abandon you and that when he asks you to step in faith that you can have a confidence, amen, to believe him. If you're a generous, uh, mature Christian this morning, you will, you will be, this will resonate with you. Uh, the Apostle Paul in, first, in Colossians 1, 26 and 28 to 28, he talks about one of his chief aims was to produce every man and woman mature in Christ so that we wouldn't just stay like babies in the Lord. We would, we would grow in our faith. And then growing in our faith is not just growing, you know, to become a Christian is such a rudimental, simple step, yet an enormous step. It's one joint step spiritually where we give our lives to the Lord, but to grow and mature. The Apostle Paul talks about maturity. He says, you know, the solid meat is for the mature who have learned and been discipled in the Word. And so we have to, as Christians, be discipled in every aspect of our life. Every area of our life must be given to the Word of God, must be ready to obey the Word of God, listen to the Word of God. We, we don't take our direction from the world. We don't take our direction even from education, great as that is. It is misguided without God. It's, it's always to a wrong end without Him. When you put Christ in the middle of education, the whole world makes sense. But when you, when you don't, friends, they can distort the revelation of God so easily. Maturity, uh, you know, and that maturity as a Christian is always assisted by the discipling of the Word and uh, by teaching and by instruction in the Scriptures. The Bible, 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writes to that young pastor, he says that all Scripture is God-breathed and inspired and is profitable for correction and instruction and rebuking so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what the Lord wants to do with you. Your life, the sum total of your life is not about what you achieve for yourself in this world. That is not what even is going to be, that's going to get burned up. All that, get, what we achieve for ourselves gets burned up on that day of, of, of reward. And uh, what we achieve for the Lord in the name of Jesus 
is what stands and abides as a living testimony for eternity. Isn't that a phenomenal thought? And as some of us are getting that a little bit closer to eternity, maybe we become a bit more sober-minded to those things. What really matters in life? What really matters about my legacy? What really matters about what I let behind me becomes more focused. For the younger ones, you're going to struggle to some level because your faith sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you're not listening to the Word. You're not letting the Word of God feed your soul. So you go off in your own ideas and, uh, and end up not producing the fruit that God wants to see in your life. But I pray this morning that you'll hear what the Lord has to say to you and have confidence in, in the words. Amen. The Bible speaks into every aspect of our life. Uh, it's our rule. You know what I talk about? Rules is what we measure everything by. It's our standard. It, it is the plumb line for our life. And again, that's a term that the Bible uses regularly. I, I, I never knew what the, I used to hear those words when I was a young Christian, but it's only when I went out into the workforce that I understand what a plumb line was. I was a young apprentice electrician on building sites, and I would see the block layers putting up the course of blocks, and they'd have this, they'd have this long twine, and they'd stake at one end, and they would, they would bring it along, and that was the plumb line, and they'd always have the block right up against the line, so that even if they, they wouldn't even let it be, they would always have to touch the block all the way up along, so as the courses got higher and higher, if it was out a millimeter and you go like this, the higher you go, it's slowly going off at the top. So without a proper plumb line, everybody goes off. And uh, that's a reality. Without the Word of God feeding your soul, something else is going to feed your soul. Without the, being led by the Spirit of God, something else is going to lead you. Uh, some other metric is going to come in and it will always be inferior and it will never lead to the righteousness of God. So we as Christians, we've learned one good thing. We know this to be true. Now to walk in it takes faith, amen? Because sometimes our own judgments cloud the issue and other people's thinking. For the Christian, true maturity of faith only occurs when there is a willingness to yield to the Word of God. You know, as I said, becoming saved and, and, and giving your life to the Lord, I've trusted all of you here, most of you. I hope all of you, and if you're not, if you haven't, hopefully by the end of the sermon, even though we might be talking about other aspects, you're going to catch an eternal aspect for your life and maybe turn your life over to Christ because this is the deal. You give him your old, worn-out life, he gives you a brand-new life. It's a pretty good deal, amen. And he does that love and kindness towards you. But uh, we must be ready to yield to the Word of God. You know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in his epistle, he said that faith without works is dead. You know, so there is, that, there is that manifestation of works in the life of a Christian. You know, the works in keeping with righteousness, uh, the, the righteous order of a life. You know, before we were Christians, we didn't consider areas of decorum that we, we, we consider now because they are areas of manifesting a righteous life. You know, going around getting drunk, sleeping outside of marriage with someone that's not, you're not married to. All those areas, your tax dealings, your financial dealings, how you discourse with people, how you talk, the language that you use, the temperature of your behavior with other people. All of that becomes subjected to what God would have for my life. And that's what a Christian is. A Christian is a disciple, a follower of Christ. Some people follow other things and, you know, that's their issue. But we follow Christ this morning, amen. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that. So I too am not ashamed of that. I hope you this morning as a disciple of the Lord say, no, I'm not ashamed. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm one who believes. I'm one who's put my trust in God. And so the whole counsel of God must be something that we take on board. We don't become selective with the word of God. We don't become um, dull of hearing when all of a sudden God's word puts a finger upon our life. 
You know, sometimes we can have selected amnesia. We can forget things so easily because we choose to forget them. We don't want to take it on, so we just put it to the back recesses of our mind. And, you know, God knows what we're like, but, you know, God always brings us back to the, part of, to the place of departure. You know, the, when the Word of God comes like a light and a, and a lamp to your path and your feet, you know, we may choose to forget some of, the, of its illuminations because it's convenient not to embrace it. But God will always bring you to this place. Always bring you to a place uh, of dealing with areas that are dogging our lives. And probably the biggest area of dogging of all our lives is selfishness. You know, that we, we, we always about ourselves. And of course, Christ was everything the opposite. I love the School of Christ, T. Austin Sparks book, uh, which is titled The School of Christ. When he talks about the otherness of Christ, he is everything other than I. He is altogether beautiful, I am not. We might think we are on a spruced up day on the 18th of December walking out that door, but he is altogether beautiful. He is everything that I am not, and yet in him he pours himself into me. So the, 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 the abundance that lives within me to short forth a brightness that's not of mine but comes through my life is a phenomenal possibility for all of our lives. And some of us who have walked longer and maybe journeyed in faith, you see it, you see a mature Christian. There's, there's a levelty about him. There's a presence about him. There's a, a sense of godliness about him. There's, there's a propriety in how to live their life. And everything they do is a measure. And it's godly and it's considered. And it's, it's full of love, joy and peace and kind. It's everything we all want to be when we meet people like that. And you do. And we have them in our own church here. And, and you've met many of them over the years. And you say, I want to be like that. It's not like him. It's the Christ in him or the Christ in her. That's why the Apostle Paul, who would, who, would, who would walk with the Lord and saw such manifestations and revelation in his life, you know, he said, follow me as I follow Christ, because he knew his life was an example of giving to others. Given for God and given for others. And you know, well, that's, that's the Christian life. The reason why I, I settled in this message this morning is because we're coming up to the time of the year of the greatest giving ever. For God so loving the world that he gave, giving his only begotten son, and so the, today I want to talk about that life of giving and not being fearful in giving. Faith without works is dead. You cannot sit down and just massage doctrine in your mind. Just like prayer. A lot of people just pray in their head. I don't want to tell you, praying in your head is not prayer. That's just spitballing ideas inside there. Prayer is when you open your mouth and speak to God deliberately, whether, whether it's a prayer of despair and telling how awful you feel or how disappointed you are with him, that's still a prayer. You know, how many of you, you know, instead of arguing with yourself and debating internally, prayer is articulating unto God, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus said, pray like this, pray to God, pray out loud, pray to him. Amazing when you begin to examine it, all of a sudden a lot of our prayer lives have gone down to zero. Amen. But God is saying, no, he hasn't left you at zero. He, I love you so much this morning. Your prayer life will increase, amen. Because you're going to learn because you're being disciple in the word of God. I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to address my prayer to the God, the Father in heaven. I think of Genesis 14, way back, the story of Abraham and those seasoned believers here will know that Abraham is called the father of all the faithful. He's the man that God called. He believed the, the proto-evangelium. He, he believed the gospel that God preached to Adam back in the garden, that there was going to come a seed into the world that would deliver the world from the power of darkness. And the Bible says God credited it to him as righteousness, and he's known as the father of, of the faithful. And, and he, Abraham, when you look at his life, he's a, he's a man that was always given towards other people, for other people. He was always God-centered, 
He was always people-centered. He was always generous. Abraham was a generous man. And of course, we know the story of Abraham that when he went from Ur the Chaldeans and he went to looking for a city whose architect and builder was God, he knew he had a promise. He didn't know where it was going to take him. That's kind of like faith, really, isn't it? You know, I just know I'm meant to move in the things of God, but I don't know where it's going to end up. But I know right now I'm in the will of God. And that was, that was him with the revelation that he had. He knew he had to move forward and he took the first step forward and God started to guide him. And God started to fill him with hope and started to bless him. And his nephew, Lot, joined him, attached himself to him. And Lot, Lot of course, saw the inspiration in, in, in Abraham. And he followed after him. And uh, what marked the two men very differently is that in, in many aspects there's differences. But one major aspect, Lot began to prosper also, the Bible says. You know, but you never hear a generosity from Lot. It's kind of silent. Lot was all about Lot. Lot was happy to take the salvation that came under the common relationship with Abraham. He was happy to have the, 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 the prosperity that flowed from such a life. Like many today in the church, we're very happy. Salvation is free. And as a result of salvation coming, I'm no longer addicted to drugs. I'm no longer a drunkard. I'm no longer gambling. God has set me free from that. But all of a sudden becomes this sort of uh, you know, self-appeasement and self-aggrandization and you know, gathering onto myself. And, you know, and Lot was a little bit like that. Lot left the dark world. He saw the light of Abraham. He journeyed with him and he prospered. Nothing wrong with prospering. I'm not against prosperity. I'm just saying it's not a gauge of spirituality either, friends. Amen. Whether I'm prosperous or not prospered, I will bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Amen. I've known good days and bad days. I've known days of plenty and days of, of leanness, but I've always known the presence of God. And so Lot is characterized by a man that is just, you know, the typical one that has not really journeyed in that relationship and is always a receipt taking, always a blessing for himself. And he amassed huge herds and, and, and flocks and uh, he was blessed abundantly and he ended up running into strife with Abraham who was a benevolent man. And eventually Abraham says, listen, rather than having a fight with you, you take what you want and just go to the north, south, east, to west and we'll go the other side. Of, you know, and he was the senior man. What a, great, what a gracious man Abraham was. What a kind man he was. What a generous man he was. And of course we know the story. Lot goes towards Sodom, ends up in a terrible predicament where Sodom is overrun some years later by these four kings that attack the two kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot and his entire family and all his wealth is taken into captivity. Who chases after him? 318 men, he saddled on their horses and they fled. They flew after, they went after, pursued after Lot and all the captives of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is a generous man. That is a godly man, amen. He could have said, you know, he's just a greedy beggar, Lot. He just, he just worked off the coattails. You know, he never developed in prayer. Everything he got is because mom and dad prayed for him. He never prayed a day in his life, you know. You know the parallels are enormous for, for our own lives. But yet, it didn't matter about Lot. Lot was his nephew. Lot was his brother. Lot was his blood, his blood, his, his relative friends. And I tell you, friends, when, when we look at the world that God has brought us into, we see so much despair and so much brokenness in this world. We can't turn away from our own flesh. There's something that is in the Christian man and woman that is, that drives them to a whole new different place and it's a place of selflessness and a place of benevolence. Why? Because that's who Jesus was. The Bible says, although he was rich, he became poor. For what? For us. There was this giving. The whole heart of God is benevolence. God giving, 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 giving you life. Giving you Eden. 
giving you plenty, opening doors for you, giving you strength, giving you intelligence, <coughs> walking with you in those dark moments and every good thing the Bible says, every good, and that means every. Every means every. There's no other Greek word for it. It means every good thing comes down from God. Matter if you're not a Christian this morning, if you've got real good things in your life, they came from God. You're just not aware of it yet, but they did. It's amazing when you come to Christ, all of a sudden you begin to see the, the, the veil is lifted. You begin to look back at the life and say, my God, even in my foolishness, the hand of God. Even in my misery, the hand of God. Even, even in, my, in my greed, the goodness of God. All the way through our lives. That's the testimony of every Christian. We look back over a speckled life and say, surely God has been good to Israel for all those who are afar off. That was me. And that was you. And Abraham is characterized by generosity. He's, he loves God. He's generous towards God. He's generous towards people. And of course, when he comes to uh, rescue Lot, and he does, and he actually not just rescued Lot and his family, but he rescues the entire two cities that were under the oppression or captivity of four kings. He and 318 men went in there with the power of God. I want to tell you, I look around this church this morning, I see, you know, not that we thank God for the house of God here, but what, what we're able to see done out of this body is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, the world will look at such patheticness, you and your little old church. Who are you with your little old prayer meetings? Oh, I thank God, you know, 8,000 euros of food every week going out that door to hungry people. The gospel of Jesus Christ going forth. Churches being birthed. Missions being supported. Amen. Children being discipled even as we speak. And many coming to Christ every week. People giving their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I want to tell you, despise not the day of small beginnings. Amen. God is doing something in our very midst this morning. Why? Because he's benevolent. He's good all the time. Amen. His mercy endures to every season of your life, friends. What a great God. And of course, he chases after. He wins the battle and he brings all the people back. At, brings them right back from captivity. And you all know the story. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah says, you know, you can keep all the wealth. Just give us the people. And he said, I'm not going to take a, a thread off you, not a shoelace from you, lest you think you can say that you made Abraham great. I want to tell you, friends, I don't care who your employer is, whether it's Apple or Starbucks or wherever it is, they ain't going to make you great. Amen. I don't care if you've got your own business, you're a businessman, it's God who makes you great. Hallelujah. God gives you the ability. God gives you the strength. God gives you the character. God gives you the breath in your lungs to get up morning after morning. And when he takes it back, it's for good reason. Amen. It's because he's still given you. He's given you in another area that you're missing on, that you're deficient in. You haven't prayed for a while. Oh, why does calamity come? I think a lot of times because we haven't learned how to pray. That we become indifferent. God says, I need to knock this back. Something's growing in you that's not healthy. You've become indifferent to poverty, to the, to the people and the need around you. It's all about you and mine and what I'm going to get for Christmas. I think some adults are worse than children, what they're going to get for Christmas. I really do. You know, I, 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 you know, and we'll talk about one of those in a moment. And so what does he do? He goes, he goes, and he, he meets a man called Melchizedek. The Bible, a mystery man. Many believe it was Christ in the Old Testament. And I'm going to go into the rights and wrongs of that idea. But Melchizedek means king of righteousness. He meets this prophetic person called the King Melchizedek, King of Righteousness. And he comes out to meet Abraham and he refreshes Abraham with bread and wine and, and, and feeds him after the battle. And Abraham gives a tithe of everything he has to this King of Righteousness. 
who hadn't, be, the Bible says, who hadn't beginning of days or end of days. We don't know when he was born, when he died. We don't know if he was born or if he even died. It's, it, 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 Corinthians allures to him being that Christ and Hebrews talks about a, a priesthood in the order of Melchizedek talking about Christ's priesthood. So something powerful was happening here in the pages of the Old Testament. If you choose to go back to Genesis 14, you'll begin to read. There's a powerful transaction. But what's really powerful here is the, is the benevolence and the kindness of this man that he didn't take for granted the refreshing, the spiritual refreshing that he got from that Christ type in the Old Testament. It led him to a benevolence of heart. And I want to tell you, when God's love is shed abroad in your heart, it leads you to be generous. When Christ comes into you and he takes hold of your life to the Holy Spirit, the, the, the giving side of his nature is wanting to break out towards the, through the earthen vessel. Well, why do we fast and pray? Because sometimes that vessel is so sealed. You know, the earthen vessel is like a pottery vessel. The Bible says you're like an earthen vessel. And fasting and praying and discipling the word of God begins to crack that vessel a little bit so what the goodness that God has deposited in there can start breaking out. Some of us are so trapped inside our own headspace. Some of us are trapped in our own fears, listening to our own nature. Sometimes this only comes out with prayer and fasting. Some of you need to pray and fast. Some of you need to hear about to God and say, God, why am I not growing? Maybe you need to pray and fast. Maybe you need to inquire of God. God, I need a shakening. I need a breaking. It's not that I need to extract from you. Look what I'm doing for you. I'm fasting for you. You're fasting not for him. You're fasting for yourself. I want something broken in me. I want something to open in me. I'm, I'm so, so fed up of being such a stingy, tight person that I can't seem to give that a need can go by and I can walk by indifferently and yet another poorer Christian can come alongside and actually give out of the little they have, the widow's might. And I can't even give. Something wrong. That was Lot all his life, amassing, amassing, amassing. We all know where, where that, how that ended up for him. But this great story, and I want you to turn this morning to, it's in, it's in 1 Kings chapter 17. And I'm going to read from verse 8, and I'll give you a little bit of the background of the story. Then, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Seraphath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to, I have instructed, I want you to hear this, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then my son and I will die. But Elisha said to her, don't be afraid. What a comfort, amen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to honor the Lord. Don't be afraid because she had already received instruction. Long before Elijah even got to the village, God spoke to this widow. I'm sending you someone and you're going to give to them. You know, that might be a word for someone this morning. You may be a widow. You may be on your own. You might be a widower. And you can be gripped by fear. And I understand that. You're getting older. You mightn't have enough. But God, is going to, God says to you this morning, don't fear. Go ahead and just do what you've been, what you said. But make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. 
For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. It's a very interesting story. It's interesting in many parts because this is the turning part of Israel. Israel has, been, has fallen into idolatry and fallen away from the revelation of Jehovah. And they'd followed after the Baals and, and, and Ahab was the king and his wife is Jezebel. And, uh, and, and he had just went to Ahab and said, there's either going to be dew or rain. There's, there's going to be drying up in the heavens. That meant famine eventually. That meant crops would die. Cattle would die. There will be nothing happening until I tell you. And it was all because of their adultery towards foreign gods and their practices. And so he is, he is now fleeing the wrath of Ahab and Jezebel. And he goes to the Sidon. And that's where Jezebel is from. She's, her father was the king of the Sidonians. You know? so, so basically, it's just an interesting little thing when you think of, of all the places to go hide, you go hide in the very, in the very heartland of Jezebel. But before he goes there, he says, I've, I've instructed this widow that she's to feed you. Because he's, just, Elijah is not this man that just, you know, he's a man. He eats, he needs food like everybody else. And so he goes there, and this widow, as you heard from the storyline, is phenomenal. She's just gathering sticks. Elijah has no idea what he's stepping into. He just knows that God says, I have a widow that's going to provide for you. She already has the word of the Lord. She knows that God has instructed her, whether it was a dream or whether God appeared to her. We don't know, but she's gathering her sticks. <clears throat> she, her intentions is to have a last meal with her and her son, and then they're both going to starve to death after that. There was a famine in the land. Things were, food was scarce. People were dying, and she's a widow. She has nobody to fight and work for her. Maybe her son is young. It intimates that. And Elijah, Elisha asks her, in the middle of her trauma, can you get me a cup of water? You know, I think about the Lord Jesus said, if you give a cup of water in my name, it'll not be forgotten you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you think he was talking about? He talked about this woman. You haven't much, you have eternal life. You have the presence of God who will fight for you and always provide for you. Whether it's abundant times or famine times, my grace is sufficient. And this, he asked for a cup of water and she's ready to bring it. And then the faith is up a little bit. He says, now go make me just a bit of bread. Would you mind getting me some bread? And of course, that's a test to her faith, isn't it? She knows God has instructed her to be benevolent. She knows that God has told her to be a giver. She knows, you know, without a doubt that this prophet is coming in. She says, by the Lord your God. She knew who the, she used the right name, the right Hebrew name for the Lord. She knew who he was. She knew the instruction of God. But there was a mountain of fear to overcome. A mountain. If I honor God here, I will, I have nothing for me and my boy. It's our last meal. If I honor the word of God here, where am I going to be at? And I love that instructions is, do not fear. Oh my gosh. Can you hear him speaking to you this morning? I don't know your circumstances. But can you hear him speaking to you? Don't ever stop being like him. Don't ever stop being like Jesus. Don't ever succumb to a lower thinking. The Bible says he knows your need even before you ask. 
But he tells you and he shows you a world around you. He shows you a need before you and he says you are not to, you are not to be bound up in your own selfishness or fear. You are to give and be a giver. And, and so Elisha reminded her of this. He says, don't fear. And if that's a word for anyone this morning, particularly when it comes to finances, because we're kind of looking at that and our giving as Christians, our financial giving, not just the giving of our time, not just the giving of our worship, all of that, friends, is absolutely vital to the Christian experience. But the whole area of giving to the Lord, when we see the need around us, when we see the gospel needing to go forth like never before, to be preached in every part of this world, and Christ will come back, friends. In this city, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in our nation, millions of people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They never heard that you have to be born again. They never heard of the power of the cross. They may have heard of the cross, but they don't know of it, friends. They only know there's some academic exercise. They've never been heralded by a preacher. The preacher being you. <laughs> They've never been arrested with a living, walking addition to the divine God that could speak for God, not just about God. And maybe you and I have encountered people and kept our mouths shut, friends. What I want to tell you, there's a time when God's going to say, you need to open your mouth again. You need to open it. I will fill you with my words. And this, this battle of faith, I'm sure, I'm sure this woman had every reason not to hear, to to obey the word of the Lord. Put yourself in her shoes. It's easy for you to ask me that. You're not facing to pay the electric. You don't know how close I am to the the mortgage. Jesus talked about, in in, in the gospels, he talked about watching these people going into the temple and giving their money. And the rich guys were giving, you know, they were undercutting God actually. But this woman came in and she gave a little mite. The smallest denomination of money was, was the mite. Tiny, it's an insignificant portion of money. It means no difference to the bank balance of the temple. It means no difference to her friends to any, but it meant a difference to her. I remember a few, a few months back where we had a wonderful meal here for some Ukrainian, we had about 300 Ukrainian people, and we did borscht for them. It was a great night. I'm hoping that we can do it again soon for, and just bring comfort. But there was an old babushka, I think it might be the right word, grandmother. And she was there with her, I think, three grandchildren. Um, she, they had to leave the parents behind uh, because of the war but she's there she's probably in her 70s and uh, we did a great night and we, we're just there to be comforted we're not here to take anything off the Ukrainian people we're here to give bless, love you know, console we're not here to take but there was this, uh, this old woman and she's there and she's stirring up in the corner she's talking to Yuri and I can see her talking to one, uh, another one of our deacons and um, and, and, I, and I, it's a bit of an altercation because it's a different language and I'm not really knowing what's going on. I'm a bit, oh, is she giving out to them? Because, you know, when you get to a certain age in life, you, you can tend to give out a little bit more. And it looked a bit like giving out. And yeah, she was giving out. So Yuri comes over to me and I said, Yuri, what's wrong with this old woman? He said, he said, Pastor, he said, I told her we don't take money. I told her we don't do that. And, and I, says, I said, yeah, of course, we're not taking any money. This is a free, we, we want to do this to bless them. But she comes over and then in her, in her either Ukrainian or Russian begins to speak to the translator. And she says, Pastor, I wanted to give my tithe. And I said, and I'm looking at this destitute woman with her grandchildren fleeing a war who has no resources, no earning capability. Three little mouths around her and put in a small little accommodation center in Yol traveling up to come to church that day with her, with her, with her family. And she said, I haven't been in church in, in, in over four months because of the war, I haven't met, I haven't been able to give my tide. And I'm, I'm thinking like, 
I'm, I'm standing there and, I, and I, I'm, I'm embarrassed because number one, I don't want to take it. I, 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 I don't want to take this money. And under any circumstances, I want to take it. But she has been belligerent with me. This is not your money, pastor. She said, this is God's money. And you better take it, she said, because I have to give it. That's, that's my spirit. That's, I've always believed in being a giver, you know. And I looked at her. I said, you know what, sister? It's the way I live myself. And, and I took that money. I wrapped my arms around. She hugged me. I, I gave it to a usher, a usher to give to her treasurer. And uh, I said, may God bless you. Because I tell you one thing, great is her faith. Great is her faith. And I don't know where she is. I think she's still in you all. I think her daughter-in-law comes to church here from time to time. But I know one thing, that woman will know the blessing of God all her life. She will know what it is to prove God in the most difficult circumstances. The joy of the Lord will always be her strength. She will always have that security because money never held her back. Hallelujah. Never held her back. Whether you have a lot or a, little, or, or, or a little, it doesn't matter. There's a sense of honoring. And so this old woman with her son, he says, do not fear. She made, she gave what she had, the last bit of food she puts into the oven and she serves and gives the portion to the man of God, to the prophet of God. I have so many scriptures I could throw at you, but one of the stories comes to mind this morning, Luke 12, 15. Jesus is speaking, and uh, of course, he is the greatest preacher. There's never another preacher like Jesus. He says, he tells him a story, verse 16. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what shall I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth for themselves and is not rich towards God. Well, that old woman was no fool. And that old babushka was no fool. And I want to tell you, friends, the Bible talks about being generous towards God. Taking the responsibility of reaching this world for Jesus Christ is not individual, it's collective. It's not just collective, it's individual. It's both. It's the body working together. It's every man and woman looking into their heart and soul and said, God, who has so richly blessed me. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, again talking to Timothy, he says, the rich among you, you know, you know don't be proud. Share what you have and give and be benevolent and kind. He talked to the Corinthian church and the Roman church and other churches about gathering in time of need and giving to other places that were in need. Just like we do every Sunday morning, we gather and distribute to the need. We gather not just to the, and fill the need there in Cork and Cork City, but then when there's more, it goes further again. I hope you can say hallelujah because that's the extension of your, your giving today. Tens of thousands, men and women, boys and girls reached with the gospel, comforted, cared for, fed. We give out food here every week, as I said, but we just don't give out food. We give out food in Jesus' name. There's a big difference. It carries something with it. It carries a promise. 
every bite, every morsel that goes into that stomach, they'll know there's a God in heaven that loves them. They may not know the gospel, but they have felt the gospel. Someone is praying for them. Someone is caring for them. That is what the church is about, friends. It's not to be for itself. It's for a lost world. We are not saved for ourselves. We're saved for him. We're not saved so that we can lay up goods for ourselves and look back in time and say, I have enough now. I can eat, drink, and have good old times. I want to tell you, friends, such folly has many have fallen, fallen under that, wasted your life, wasted your substance on foolish living. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How we have taken that substance of our faith and we have wasted it and employed it in the most wrong ways of Christianity. And some have become old in the faith, old in years, and look back at, at a life that has not been well lived. A life that has not contributed in any way to the alleviation of other people for the, and for the, the promotion of the gospel, the preaching of his word. And yet they have fed themselves. I want to tell you this morning, if that is who you are today, God would say to you, stop fearing and start opening your hand and opening your heart and let him open the windows of heaven on your soul. Amen. Because you may not need any more money in your life, but I want to tell you, you're dry spiritually. You're bound inside and there's a lack of joy in you. There's a looking over your shoulder all the time and who's coming to take it away from you. I want to tell you, hold your wealth and hold your life lightly, friends, and give it to God. Don't hold on to it because whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus said, will save it. And that's the way we live, friends. We live with loose hands. We live with an open life. We live not for ourselves, but for him, for the glory of God and for the souls of men. We live to plow the gospel into this world. We live to share the life of God around this planet, friends. And it's going to cost us, not just in finances, it's going to cost us on our knees in prayer. It's going to cost us to become disciples so that we preach a righteous gospel and not an unrighteous one. We don't bring men and women out of false religion into squeaky, rickety, bonky Christianity. No! that we would prove ourselves as workmen of God approve and be able to handle the word of God amen that's you and that's me that's why we become disciples that's why we have Wednesday night service that's why we pray that's why we do Bible school classes why? why? because Pastor Nick is nothing else to be doing and, and Patrick the same we don't like to watch Coronation Street well maybe not Coronation Street you know we, we don't like to put the feet up no it's put there. Why? Because we want to tune you up. We want to equip you. We want you to live a life that you can say, what a life of faith this has been. Hallelujah. Can you imagine the testimony when Elisha goes back from Zarephath and he battles against the, the, the 450 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah and he battles on Mount Carmel and a million plus people gather in the Megiddo Valley to watch this incredible battle take place. If God is God, then let him bring the fire down. But if Baal is God, let him bring the fire down. Can you imagine the one, that woman of Zarephath saying to her son, he's the guy we we've been feeding hallelujah turn the nation back at one amazing event oh I want to tell you he would have never been there had the little old widow not fed him oh I think she shares some of that victory to you I think she does I think she's putting this Bible because God's saying a little old widow that nobody knows her name he knows her name a little old widow that, that, that just baked an old cake. I mean, come on, I'm just thinking of the ingredients, flour and oil. I mean, how delicious is that? 
There's not even a raisin in it. There's, there's, there's not even a bit of butter to go on top. There's not a blob, blob of dairy cream or strawberry jam here. You know, there's nothing ostentatious about the lifestyle of the prophet, that's for sure. It, it, it nauseates me to see some of those these prosperity guys and they're swanning around in their big cars and their entourages and acting like they're demigods in this world. Oof. Half the world's starving, friends. The other half don't know him. Most of the world not knowing him. It makes me nauseous. It makes me nauseous to see greedy Christians who are so stuck in their own bills that they can't, they can't even tie to, they can't even give. That's not even in their economy. And I watch them and I say, oh, you are not just robbing God, you're robbing yourself. But it's worse to rob God. You want to rob yourself all day long, fine. But the Bible says you don't rob him. Malachi is very clear about that, robbing the tithes and offerings. And people all oh, give. You know, people don't give anymore. People tip. They're not tithing. They're tipping God. Yeah, they're tipping with their time. I'll give you Sunday. And there's a song written by Graham Kendrick. I still love the words. He talked about a song, My Sunday and the Doggins of My Life. That's what he gave to God. Sundays and the dog, you know the dog ends, pieces you throw to the dog. That's what I give to God. I give you Sunday and the dog ends. And the guy came in here a few weeks, a few months ago, and I, he asked him, are you a Christian? He said, well, I don't know. He says, I'm CFE. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> he meant Church of England. Church, Christmas, how many of you come Christmas in England? <laughs> Christmas in England. Christmas and Easter. How many of us friends have become so invested in the world that we've missed the eternal call that God has placed upon you, the high calling? I said the high calling. The foxes have the holes, the birds of the air, the nest, but the son of man had no place to lay his head. And some of you might be in, in dire straits at the moment, but you can still give. You can, there's a widow might. And it's not about the, that's not going to make an ounce of a difference to the kingdom. Your might is going to make nothing. But I'd say it's going to do something in you. <laughs> because it's going to bring down the attention of God. Amen. It's going to say something of you. You know, even when, we, even when we hand out food to the poor in free court, we say, you can always give back. You can volunteer. Yeah, you can give back a little bit. You might be able to give a fiver at Christmas. It's not even about the fiver. It's not that. It's the sheer fact, friends, that there's the gratitude that rises up from all of us, knowing the cost of our salvation, knowing the blood that was poured out for us at Calvary. It creates, I'm telling you, when you forget what he'd done for you, when you forget the crown of thorns, friends, the nail that pierced his hands and his feet, the sword that pierced his side, and before all of that, the horrendous beating in the praetorium, when you forget the isolation and the suffering of the Savior, friends, it's so easy to go indifferent to the, to the need around you. But sometimes you just need a revelation again of how much goodness God has shown to you, how much kindness is that you haven't even asked for, how many blessings have poured into your life that you think just came by coincidence. Oh, you're sounding like Hosea's wife now. Do you understand? All these presents at our doorstep thinking they came from her lovers. But all the time it was her loving husband laying gifts at her door. Even though she played the harlot and ran around and went away from him. He left those kindnesses at her table all the time. And she think, oh, it's Johnny down the road and it's my other buddy up there here. I want to tell you, it's not your boss. It's not your education. It's not their legacy. It's the goodness of God that has come into your life. And we do right to acknowledge it. We do right to give glory where it deserved. Amen. Hallelujah. We do right to lift up hands to the Lord and say, it's all you. You know, I've been watching the Uruguayan team <laughs> during the World Cup and they score a goal and they're all on their knees. They're all going like this. And it's real. 
you know, if they didn't, I think they got beaten out of it. But I just, they're right to give glory to God because their strength came from him. Whenever, however far they progressed, that's okay. It got them that far and that's what God wanted for them. But they gave God glory for it, amen. Hallelujah. Whether they make the final or not, they give God glory. You give God glory, friends. It doesn't matter. You may say, I'm going to go the distance. You may not. He may call you home at 50. He might take you to heaven and you may never be a wealthy man or a woman. But I have, I am till he says I'm not. And where I've been, I've been the tree, the planting of the Lord. And I've prospered and I've blessed wherever I could. Hallelujah. What a way to live. What a way as widow, this widow, to be able to, in the midst of our famine and poverty to give. Paul talks about, he says to the Corinthian church, he says, I don't command you because it's not about a commandment. You know, there's not commandments for us. We don't come in by commandments for us. But he says, out of that, out of that benevolence of heart. And he said, you know, I want you to, he goes on, he says, I want you to give so that you even end up with a reward, an eternal reward. Amen. Hey, I don't want to rob you of giving because there's a reward to it, friends, and there is a reward to it. It's a blessing from God to the giver. Malachi, which is very misused, but it's also very relevant. All scripture is God breathed, remember. Just because some use it for their sneaky ends to feather their own nest, financial, those prosperity guys and those guys who are just milking the church for. I talked to a brother during the week. He was just telling me about how some, somebody he knew walked away with a million from the way he embezzled the church. I'm telling him, I know hell is dark enough. That's all I can say. That's, that's God's money, and I hope the revenue catch him, because they won't be long banging him in prison either. But there is a truth that it stands out to all of us, and it's eternal. But you ask, how can we return? We've never gone away. And some here will say, listen, I've never left the church. But you've never really, you have, you've left giving. See, coming to church is all about taking, isn't it? Give me. Give me. What's in it for me? What's, got, what's Cork Church got going for it? What has it got for ethnics, minorities? What has it got for youth, young adults, children? What has it got for fat people, skinny people? Do you have this sort of service, that sort of a service? What have you got for rich people, poor people? It's all about consumerism today. It's nearly like a sort of, this sort of shopping mall mentality people come to church with. I think it's appalling. We come to church for the glory of God, to meet with God, to meet with the body, to join with the body of Christ, to unite in faith, to unite in purpose. In purpose. And to take our place in the ramparts. And to give as God touches our heart and to give without fear because perfect love casts out fear. You've never gone away but you were never at the races. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me and you ask, what do you mean? When did we cheat you? You cheated me or your tithes and your offerings due to me. You're under a curse. Now I don't believe that there's a curse because the curse is taken away at Calvary. But I do believe that you can self-inflict something in your life. Not that God's cursed you but you've cursed yourself. That you somehow, by, 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 by not walking in the fullness of God's revelation about being a cheerful giver, that somehow you have denied yourself blessing. You've denied yourself po- true spiritual posterity, something that lives on beyond money. And you really have brought a curse down in your head. And that's a reality. That sort of dryness of Christianity, there's no joy in it, friends. They're the most miserable people. You may have more than the rest of us, but friends, when it comes to the eternal gates, praise God, God is no man's debtor. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there will be enough food in my temple. 
If you did this, said the Lord of heavens, I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. That woman in Zarephath saw that because she saw the sustaining power of God through a famine and then good times came. The storehouses opened. That's what he said to her. He said, just keep feeding him in a little time. It's a weak time. It's a difficult time. It's an economical pressing time. Utility bills have doubled. My poor staff were like, my seven pastor Steve were like fascists walking around at the moment. Turn the lights off, turn the heat off. And rightly so, utilities have gone through the roof, doubled her. Poor pastor Steve, he's got no weight in him. He's freezing in his office. I nearly feel sorry, so bring a sleeping bag. You might be saying the same at home in my house, and, and we've done it. Cassidy's are the same. I love my heat. And my, you know, and left, if left to my own devices at home, I still have it on. I'd pay the money, but my wife won't have it. So out with the blankets, over the legs, amen. Feet are getting cold, double socks. And then the heat goes on at six o'clock for a couple of hours. That's just the way it is. But I want to tell you, friends, I will pour out a blessing so great that you, will have, you won't even have enough room to take it in. And the blessing, friends, is not just commercial. I believe God is benevolent to anyone we give. But it, the blessings are far... Do you know what the blessing is? It's a liberated spirit. That money has no control over me. Hallelujah. The pressing need of finances doesn't bind me anymore. I'm free of that. Might be other areas that you need freedom in, but I'm free of that one. God says, I want you free. I want you free that you could be a giver. That your heart would open and be benevolent in kindness. Hallelujah. He says, you know, did the choose? He said, you know, your grapes won't even fall off. They, they divine and rot on the ground. Not even, can you imagine? Oh, what a deal those, those guys got. They got a promise. Israel of old, you, you, you just work with the tithing system of the old covenant, you know. And uh, you know, you're going to have the most bountiful grapes. Your harvest is going to be bountiful. It's going to be a blessing. I want to tell you, friends, he is... He cares about everything, even before you ask. He knows your need. But he puts you to the test, puts me to the test. Am I going to be a giving man or woman? Will I, will I, will I order my life according to the pattern of God's scripture? Abraham being the man of faith and being the father of all faithful. And that principle before there was ever even the law of Moses to give, he gives. And then Jacob, after it, gives a tithe of everything he had to the Lord. And then it followed through that benevolent spirit, that kindness gives. It, it's, what, it's what became implanted in, in every spiritual move of God right into the New Testament church. It wasn't the commandment to be saved. No, friends, you cannot pay for your salvation. You cannot give money for it. You cannot give money to court church. Frank Sinatra, before he died, after living the most licentious and moral life, with his rat pack and his mobster guys and friends around him and thinking life would never come to an end with his free-flowing champagne. He was worth 63 million, they say, before he died. That was a lot of money back then. You know, that's not so much today, but 63 million. He wanted to give half of it to the Pope if he would hear his confession before he died. I want to tell you, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you, but you can't pay for your salvation. That was free. It's not your, not your tied money pays for that, let me tell you. Oh, no. Ain't no man, I don't care how much time you put in to volunteer. You're not, that, doesn't pay for your, that doesn't get you to heaven. I don't care how many walls you paint, how many baskets of food you fill. I don't care if you give your body to be burned. I don't care what you do. He paid it free Amen. with his own blood. And that same spirit of the giving. So we're coming up to Christmas. For God so loved the world 
that he gave heaven's finest, that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish, but have eternal life. I pray this morning that Christmas will not be a blip in the calendar of benevolence as we always see a spike in kindness in our society and in the life of the church. But it won't be a blip in the, in the screen for you. It will be a lifestyle for you. It will be a challenge to your faith. You say, by the grace of God, we will always honor the Lord with our finances. We will always honor the Lord with our time. We will always honor the Lord in being a, a disciple with our lives because this is, what, this is what defines who we are in this world, in the eyes of the world. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. And no area of our life does not come under the scrutiny and instruction of the Word of God. They all submit to that. If you can submit in faith this morning, like that Sidonian widow, let, let just let you know, the Sidonians weren't believers in God. So something happened to this woman that he revealed himself to her. But anyway, she's in the midst of a world that is anti-God, telling her every theological reason why she doesn't have to obey God. And yet, when push came to shove, when the man of God says, do not fear. Well, I think this morning, you will not be able to implement any of this word unless you hear the word from him first saying, do not fear. You won't be able to do it. You'll just beat yourself up and condemn yourself because you'll just leave the same way and you'll live life the same pattern and you'll just look at the, what comes in and what goes out and you let fear dictate you. But if this morning you can say, Lord, I know this is the pattern of a Christian life. You know, Jesus lived this life. Jesus paid his temple tax. He told the disciple, go, go fishing. You're going to catch a fish and you're going to cut them open. There's going to be enough money to pay the temple tax. He's giving all the time. But unless you hear the voice of the Lord saying, you're not to fear. Don't fear. I'll provide for you. I'll send ravens to feed you. I'll make a way for you. Now, we are ministers, Pat is here, and Steve, and, and Andy, and, and, and Pastor John, and, and, and Hamp, and others here in the church. We've never, we never came into ministry for money. Thank God, says Patrick. Patrick. I remember uh, young Ben here, you know, stepped, you know, stepping into full-time ministry gradually. I mean, that's a great sacrifice. I'm sure at some stage he may find someone he loves and may even want to marry. Who knows? And you're going to look at it. And I remember others before him. Uh, I remember when this man stepped in. And uh, we had nothing, we had no offer. We, 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 you know, for, for months and months, he was, he was working for free. Full time at the church, we could give him nothing. And it was, you know, there was a reality there. And there was others went before him. Owen O'Sullivan, who's pastor like of a mega church now in, in, in America. And Owen will tell you the same thing. I said to these young men, I don't know how this works as regards how it works out. But I know if you're called and you step out, God's going to bless you and he'll make a way and that's living by faith. But for you who may be not full-time ministry, for those guys, it's a massive thing because they, their earning power is down. They're, they, 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 they're at a very low cap. And, and so God does another economy for them. He opens doors that are phenomenal. God gives cheaper rent to someone, gives a car to somebody else. It's amazing how God works. But for you, it's going to be the same for you in your giving, in your faithfulness to the Lord but I won't have this. You'll have the joy of the Lord. You'll have victory. Yeah. And he will open up the storehouses on you. But you have to hear him this morning. Don't fear. Trust him. Believe him. Now, you probably never hear another message about giving again for probably another 
week, no, year. I don't normally, you know me, Daniel's right here, you know what, I, I don't, I never find these comfortable messages, but the reality is that's just to do with me. The Bible talks very honestly about it. I'm always knowing what, how people are thinking. That's grand for him, isn't it? Yeah, he's okay. He's got a nice 2016 Quash Guy car, and he lives in a nice house. I can hear people. But you know what? Don't rob yourself. Honest Christian, don't rob yourself. Be free. Without fear. And be a giver. Will you stand this morning with me this morning? If you're fearful of what you're giving, will you ask the Lord to give you strength to overcome that fear? What we have seen in the faithfulness of this congregation is a rising to meet the need in our city. A rising to meet the need to pastor and disciple our children. A rising to be able to meet the global need of supporting works and, and, and projects around the world because there's faithful men and women here that have not given into fear in their finances and have given. And you will have known. I could call a half a dozen of you right now and you testify of the goodness of God. But the rest of you, I want you, like the Apostle Paul says, I don't want you to stop giving because I want you to have an eternal reward. I should have actually read that scripture from Corinthians for you. You just have to trust your pastor. It's there. So, Father, I pray right now. We raise your hands to heaven. I pray for every brother and sister here this morning. Honest men and women, Lord God, and their hard workers, and some of low-paid workers, and some of no jobs, Lord God. But, Lord, I pray they will hear the voice of heaven saying, Do not fear. Do not fear. Bring me that gift. Bring it in, says the Lord. And God will sustain you. And the good days will come, whether that's Christ coming back himself, amen, or well, another door, storehouse will open to you. God will pour out his blessing upon your life. Now I pray, Lord God, such peace will come upon your people. Hallelujah, Lord. Such joy will come across your congregation, Lord. That we will be the happiest people in this earth, Lord, because we will be fighting the good fight on every level, living the right life in every way, Lord, and enjoying unbroken fellowship, Lord God, and enjoying, Lord, the joy and the peace and the love and the kindness and the mercy and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to bless the Lord this morning for saving your soul. Bless him because he is making you an ambassador. Bless him this morning because he is continually blessing you. And I will bless thee, O Lord. With a heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O Lord. Come on, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget what? All of his benefits, amen. Who forgives what? All of your sins. Who heals what? All of your diseases. Who crowns your head with love and kindness. That your youth is renewed like the eagles, amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Hallelujah, Jesus. I've gone over time this morning, church, and I'm very sorry about that, but another year you'll hear me talking to finances again and giving. But I pray, I truly pray for you today that something will happen in your heart. Amen. And if it's already happened, that it will go to a new level. A new level. May you be known as a generous woman, a generous man, not just in your giving, in your grace towards others in your kindness of attitude back when people don't treat you quite kindly that it's just, it, it is every area is metric from the Holy Spirit through the scriptures and lifted to a whole new Christ level so Father by the great, may the grace would you say the grace with me may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all in Jesus precious name Amen. Let's give him praise this morning. 
thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.